Hey, what's up, Laser fans? Welcome to We Have a Take the What podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, and I am joined by Rose Harding. Hi, Rose. Good morning, Tara. How are you doing? Pretty good, and I'm excited because we have a guest today. We haven't have a get, had a guest for a few weeks, so uh, we want to welcome Lindsay Stranigan to the podcast. She is one of the hosts of the Holy Ghosting podcast. We're going to hear more about that in a little bit, and she's also, of course, a big Trailblazer fan. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, thank you for having me. We are Yay. so happy to have you. Icebreaker time. So it is Sunday morning when we were recording this. And this is also maybe a little bit of a preview of something we might be talking about later. So the icebreaker question for the day is, what did you do on Sunday mornings when you were growing up? Do you want me to start or do you like, go for it? Jump in first. Okay. So I was did not do this. I, I'm currently holed up in an Airbnb uh, in White Salmon with a couple of ladies, but we're having actually with my podcast co-host, we're kind of having a podcast weekend. And so I am skipping church this morning, which is not a thing I literally ever did growing up. So my dad was an evangelical pastor and it was literally just expected. Like I did not know that there were other things that you could do on Sunday mornings growing up. So now when I'm an adult, like when I sleep in on a Sunday morning, it uh, it always feels kind of weird and rebellious, but I love it. <laughs> right on. And how about you, Rose? What did you do on Sunday mornings? Uh, I did like split time between like my mom and my dad, uh, uh, did very separate things on the weekends a lot of the times because my dad is a big sports fan. So it kind of depended on who I was hanging out with. I was hanging out with my mom. We would do like nature stuff because my mom did grow up in an evangelical setting and, uh, has, has left, um, that church. And now like her, Good for her, <laughs> her like Sunday mornings though, are like her, she like, she gets close to nature because that's her new religion is being close to nature. So we would go out, we'd go on hikes, go on walks, stuff like that. And if I was with my, hanging out with my dad on Sundays, then I would watch football. And I like, even though I love basketball the most and I don't watch football anymore, like football was my first love sport where I spent that time with my dad and it was my time to be with him and my brother. If my brother was at home at the time um, and like, I don't know, like half of my early vocabulary was football related. <laughs> All right. Well, for me, Sunday mornings, we were not a church going family. My mom also came from a church going family. She used to say that she went three times a week and twice on Sunday. And so as soon as she moved out, she never went again. And so I did not go to church. We were extremely busy on Saturdays because we did music and sports. And so for us, our house Sunday morning was like truly just relaxing and recharging and probably me lying around moping because all the good cartoons were on on Saturday morning and I didn't ever get to watch them because I had to go to play orchestra and <laughs> nothing good was ever on on Sunday. And this was back in the days where it was like, you know, the 700 Club or like all these church shows were on on Sunday morning and not Scooby-Doo, which is what I really wished I was watching. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. thanks for the icebreaker. I think it's all really interesting that like, even though we we all like did very different things like church still sort of or church or, or religion still sort of like framed what happened or didn't happen yeah. on Sundays yeah. in our families. Yeah. I really love that your mom like leans into nature. I think that's such a natural progression of wanting to like be connected with something. And I don't know. I think that that's uh that sounds really lovely, like a lovely use of her Sunday mornings. So 
<laughs> it was funny being a pastor's kid because my dad also really liked football, but there was always like, I've never been to a live football game because he could never go because he was always, he always wanted to. And I grew up in Northern California and the 49ers were his team. And so like, especially the, like, you know, when I was a kid, the glory days of the 49ers, you know, the Joe Montana days and all that. But um, yeah, so we never got to go to a game, but you know, if it was a later afternoon game or something, it would work out. But I feel like his football fandom was always a little, little cursed that way. And so I'm saying was you, I don't watch football anymore. I gave up on it many, many years ago for many reasons, but yeah. That's so funny that you have to choose between football and church for if you're a church goer. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't have both. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as somebody who did not go to church and whose family, like we didn't even like ever talk about church. So I never even thought about how like my weekends were affected by the fact that my mom went to church so much. But I do remember a lot of like um, as a younger adult or while I was raising my kids, you know, trying to like have established for my own sake, some or for my own family, some kind of a ritual on Sunday, just because I knew like all these people were out there going to church. And so I think that I actually probably grew up a little bit with and continued on with a little bit of a kind of a yearning for something like that, some kind Mm -hmm. of a ritual on Sunday that I could see all my friends doing something that like really made them feel like a part of something. All right, we're going to talk about all of this. <laughs> we're going to jump right into it. Before we go too far into it, let's l- get to know uh, a little bit more about you, Lindsay. And maybe you could tell us about how you became a uh, Trailblazer fan. And then also you could tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, of course. Um, so I've been in Portland for about 15 years now. And I moved from Southern California. I was working in the music industry down there. I was working at a record label. And it's funny, so I have two sisters and I'm, I'm the oldest of three girls. And so I was really close with my dad growing up and he liked sports, as I was saying, and he was always more into football than basketball, but he did like, I mean, being Northern California people, especially when I was younger, the Kings were just, they're a hard franchise to be a fan of. I do love the Kings, but um, yeah. So my dad would just kind of watch any basketball. I don't feel like there was any one team that he was super into, but I remember like the creation of like the dream team was a really big deal. And for whatever reason, when I was younger, like I was obsessed with Patrick Ewing. I loved him. And I just like, I I don't know why I just, I, I really loved him. I loved like Sean Kemp. I liked really weird players. And, but I think it was a bonding thing with my dad and I had this weird guilt that he didn't have son. So I felt like I needed to be the, like the sporty, daughter or what have you. So it was like a thing that we could do and bond over. But then I moved to LA and I got into music and it wasn't cool to like sports when you're working in music or at least at that time. So I kind of gave up on it. And frankly, I just like Lakers fans, like when I lived that, it all felt very bandwagony. It just... I don't know. I just like loved living in LA and hating the Lakers. I was just like, I'm just going to do it. And I just, I wasn't, I knew Kobe was a good player. I just didn't like him as a person. And so it was just kind of fun to be a contrarian and just be like, and then, so, you know, I would follow basketball, but again, I was way more into music going to shows. That was my whole life. I didn't have time to do both. And then I moved to Portland and I moved in with, um, 
my very first roommate when I moved in Portland is this amazing like local artist here in Portland, Jeremy Okai Davis. And he's done some art like for the Blazers. He's had some like game day posters. He's an incredible artist, but he also is like a huge basketball fan. And so living with him, he would just have Blazers games on every night. And this was, so I moved up here in 2008. And so it was, I remember um, Greg Oden when he went down, that was a big, like that was kind of the first thing I started paying attention. And of course, like Brandon Roy, it was just, and I loved that our entire city had one team and the whole city was united around this one team. And it just like, I felt like all those younger years of being so excited about like the dream team or like all of that kind of came back. And I was like, oh, I can do this. It didn't feel like the LA like sports mentality is like everyone's super in when your team's winning. And it's funny because I moved away from LA and then the Clippers got really good. And all of my friends down there were like, why aren't you a Clippers fan? And like, you're like turning your back on your home. I'm like, none of you liked the Clippers when I lived here. None of you. They were horrible. (laughs) You couldn't like you couldn't. I remember we would get given floor seats to Clippers games because no one was going. It was only Billy Crystal was the (laughs) only person going to Clippers games, you know? And so it just like, uh, yeah. So I just really loved like I don't know. It just like Portland had this underdog vibe, which I always love a good underdog. And the whole city just like rallied behind the team. And those were also like the Brandon Rory years, like incredible, like there's some incredible moments. And so, yeah, I really think my roommate, Jeremy Okai, he, he made me love the Blazers and we still like, we've got like the last, I went to a game with him, like, I think it was last year. Like we still like bond over our Blazers fandom. And I always credit him with making me love the team. And then my, the reason I know Tara is that my husband is born and raised Oregonian and they got to know each other through his, through his work when he was working in coffee. And so marrying an Oregonian who also loves the Blazers, it's like, it's one of our favorite like date nights. It's like, in fact, here, I'll tell you a funny little, we were at, um, so yeah, my husband, we've, before we had a kid, we used to have quarter season tickets. Now it's a little dicier with getting a babysitter. Although we started taking her to games and she really likes it. She refers to Dame as Logo Lillard. She loves, <laughs> she loves Dame. Uh, she also, um, she hates the Joker. She will tell people that she's like, Ugh, I don't like the Joker, mom. And I'm like, yeah, you, that's fair. I <laughs> 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 her like little so she she loves going to get especially if there's cotton candy involved she'll like cheer and you know get to eat lots of sugar and it's great for everybody but yeah I uh Nick and I were at a Blazers game ages ago and it was like a we won on a buzzer beater and we were playing I think it was we were playing the heat when LeBron was on the heat this is how I recall I we were playing I should remember this, these details, because this is important night. But anyways, long story short, when we got married, I told my husband I did not want children. And we had been kind of, we had been married several years at this point. And I always thought we'd adopt. And I just didn't really, that pregnancy sounded terrible to me. And so but we had been like oh, warming up to those conversations a little bit more. And I had had a couple drinks in me. And uh, we, this Blazers had this epic buzzer beater, like we beat LeBron. And I literally looked at my husband. I was like, I'll have your baby. And that's what I said. And he was like, are you serious? So that is how I told my husband that I was willing to have a baby that after an epic Blazers win. So 
I that that is the gods. I just got shivers up my spine because <laughs> here's the thing is before I had a baby, I you know we had we were trying to have a baby. Um, but we didn't tell anybody because you just when you're trying to have a baby, you tell nobody because everybody that right. is like it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, you, you just don't want eyes on you in that way. Anyway, yeah. We went to a Miami Heat game in I guess it must have been 2016. Yeah. I went home that night and I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant with my daughter. And then I had a I had a, a baby at the end of the year. And that was like so anyway, I always oh think gosh. I remember the heat very fondly. And I'm like, I don't know. The it's really strange that somebody really, else's like know? reproductive journey also is connected to the heat. <laughs> that is really funny. Yeah, I love that. I mean, hopefully we're raising some future. I always joke with my husband. I'm like, what if our kids like greatest rebellion is she grows up and she hates basketball, like just despite us, you know, because it's like, like everyone, I feel like we always want to push back. So I always try to make it like her choice. Like, oh, are you into this? Do you like it? Like, you don't have to, but I really want you to. <laughs> I know. So, that oh, and then I, yeah, it's, it's a thing. Currently she's really into it. So I'll take it. And then, so a little bit more about, so that's sort of my, my blazers journey and fandom. And then, so a little bit about me is that I run my own social media management business, mostly for, um, food and beverage brands. Um, I had to pivot a little bit in the pandemic because I was working with a lot of restaurants and hotels and it's not been an easy time for them. But so I work more with like packaged beverage brands. Um, I work with, uh, like Smith tea maker is the tea company. I work with the gin company, thing, things like that. So I love it. And then last year I started a podcast with a couple of friends of mine called Holy Ghosting, where we talk about leaving evangelicalism. And it's uh, three of us women who are all in really different parts of our faith journey. We all identify really differently when it comes to religion. And it's been really healing to kind of talk about leaving a lot of those toxic messages of our youth. And if you're not familiar with evangelicalism, it's very politically conservative. Um, usually women are not allowed to be leaders in the church at all. It's very, very patriarchal. Um, I was homeschooled for most of my life, so I was really sheltered. Um, and so it's just been interesting, like kind of growing up and finding like my voice and it's interesting. So now I am, um, like board president. So I attend, uh, an Episcopal church in Portland and, but it's like the kind of church that has a rainbow flag on the side. And I'm like the board president for our church. And I make like a lot of financial decisions for our church. And we've in the pandemic, especially we run like a food pantry and we provide, um, a hot meal for unhoused folks. And we do like hygiene and hot showers. We do a lot of like work with the houses community in Portland. And it's just felt really great to be part of something where it's, it resonates with me spiritually, but also it's just like my church is run by women and queer people. And I didn't know that that was possible growing up. And so it's just been a really um, healing place for me to be and uh, to do this podcast and talk about, it. and we're really irreverent. Like we, we have a lot of fun with it. Like our last episode we just came out with was about drugs. <laughs> like all the messages we were raised with and like the fear. And then now as we've gotten older and been like, Oh, actually marijuana is really great for certain things, you know, like, sorry, can I talk about drugs? On this podcast? <laughs> but if you want to hear about my opinions on that, go listen to Holy Ghosting. So yeah, it's been, 
I'm, I'm really proud of the work that we're doing and we're trying to build a community. And I love that. I mean, Tara, it's so interesting to me that you've been listening because you weren't raised religious. So sometimes I'm like, do we just sound insane? Like, <laughs> like it's gotta, it's gotta feel like, you know, we came from very different worlds. Well, to that, that kind of brings me back to like why I reached out to you to talk to you because, you know, as somebody who grew up outside of the church or outside of any kind of organized religion whatsoever, when I fell for the Blazers and being a fan of the Blazers, I fell hard. I fell into it like really, really hard. And it became like, especially in recent years, like as my kids grew up during the pandemic, like the Blazers community became something that I didn't really have before. I had other like groups of friends and things that we had in common, but like the larger Blazer, you know, community became something I'd never had before. And then when I'm listening to the Holy Ghosting podcast, when you guys are talking about different things, I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds a little bit like being a sports fan. <laughs> uh, and I just like, I, I feel like for me being a fan fills some of what I've always, you know, been searching for in terms of like part of a community. But I also am like, okay, is that like going to just take me off the deep end? If I like think that, you know, if I put too much like Damian Lizard, like Lillard is like so great and so amazing. How do I avoid like putting somebody on a pedestal mm -hmm. in a way that maybe might not be healthy? And so I thought maybe you having like been through, you know, been through the church might be able to kind of like talk about some of these things that I am like, is that like being a sports fan? Is that like being a religion? I don't know. I mean, I think it's super similar. It's, I think it, we all want to like, feel like we belong to something and like finding a community of people that is rallying around the same thing. I mean, that's how some people feel about their political party, right? Like, and, and also I think religion and politics get so intertwined, but like, it, you know, there's a reason why like certain people who are intense about religion are called religious fanatics, you know, they are like, they are a different type of fan. And so in some ways, I also think like me being super into basketball and following like that, it, it it's just some of the personality traits and the things I learned along the way from religion. Although it's interesting, I was kind of looking back and I feel like in recent years, maybe because of my leaving evangelicalism and kind of finding a new way that I've, I've, I've held my sports fandom a little differently. And I think that I've had this realization of like, these are just people, the players, the coaches, all of that. Like I can't put them on that pedestal. And I think especially, unfortunately with the, the Chauncey hiring, I had a real, that, that to me, I think because of the toxic leadership I had in churches, I I've been a little bit like, oh, it's hard when you're the organization that you love and the team that you love, like chooses leadership that I have some problems with and, or at least questions about at the very least. And I don't know, not that it was triggering. I don't know like exactly how to say that, but it's been interesting how I, I've noticed that I've been a little bit like I've held it a little looser in recent years. And I think a lot of that just has to do with like, I'm just sort of not about any sort of like toxic patriarchal, you know, <laughs> leadership. So I, not that we have to get into that. I'm not, people can, I don't want to get into opinions on that, but I personally had some questions around the, you know, the hiring and, but yeah, I think that like, I think my biggest 
caution is, and to tell people is that like, I just think when we're all in on any one thing, when we follow something blindly that you love so much, I think the love of that and the sport and the players, I think like I, Tara, I love watching what you have because you're so supportive of the players who are for the most part, just like good people who are working so hard and, I love watching like the young guys kind of come up and that's where this team has been fun and where I've been able to kind of put aside any thoughts I might have about like the staff is that watching these young guys like work together and be scrappy. Like the the thing about the Blazers is that they're usually then go through a fun team to watch and it's not just like one superstar show, which I really appreciate. And and I think also Blazer fans feel a little bit like, I don't know, they feel a little bit less culty than some other. <laughs> than so, uh, do you, okay, I have a question for you too. Do you, when you think of a sports team that has like the most cult like following, who do you, who do you think that is? Who comes to your mind? Well, I'm from Eugene, Oregon. Oh, and God. if you know yeah. anything about Eugene, Oregon, <laughs> I was like, enough said. We are a giant cult of Oregon Ducks fans. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's probably true in Corvallis too, right? Because you have one thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a town that's not super big and you have that one thing that you all brings you all together is your Ducks fans, your Beavers fans. And that's just the, I don't know. That's just like, well, the thing that, that your, that your town has, they don't have multiple teams. I mean, I guess they have like basketball and football and in, you know, track or whatever, but like the big thing is that like, you have this one thing that everybody does. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes to the duck game on like Saturday. It's like businesses, a lot of businesses will like close or like limit their mm-hmm. hours on football day because they know people aren't going to come in. And, yeah. you know, then they staff up to have like a crazy after, you know, like, like after event, after the game is over, like the bars all get like crammed. And I don't know, like, it's just sort of a, it's just sort of like the, like the, the community's like ritual. And if you've ever been to like, small towns like my mom is from a small town in minnesota like those are the kinds of towns that like they shut down when there's high school football or a baseball game or whatever like everyone Mm -hmm. in the town goes Mm -hmm. and that's i mean is that not like church where like it brings your whole community together to meet for this one thing that you do together as a group and you just all decide that all the other things are just not happening during that time well, and it's funny because if you don't participate in church or in sports, then you're just like SOL, right? Like it's sort of yeah. like so many, like it's funny we were talking about Utah earlier in the jazz and it's like, you know, Utah, I think bars and liquor stores are closed on Sundays across the state. You know, you can't get like, so if you're not religious and you want to drink on Sunday, sorry. You know, it's just interesting where, I mean, it's how America does Christmas, right? Like we just refuse to acknowledge that there are people out there who don't celebrate Christmas. It's the same thing. Like those small towns are like, if you're not watching the high school football game, like what are you doing with your life? (laughs) Like this is what you should be doing right now. So yeah, I see those similarities a lot. There's also, I feel like some like, some like FOMO, you know, like people are like, well, I don't like football, but all my friends are going to be there. So I should be there too, which is a little bit how I felt actually now that I'm thinking about it, about like, did either of you guys have young life at your high school? Mm-hmm. It was like youth religious organization. Like, and it was like, I, my, I went to two different high schools. One high school, my, my first high school was far more religious and conservative than my second high school where I eventually graduated from. But like my conservative high school like so many kids went to Young Life or campus. I don't remember which one it was. One of them was from middle school. One of them was from high school. Campus crew. 
Yeah. Campus Crusade for Christ was one and Young Life was another. They're both very, it's funny. My husband was raised like atheist, like totally non-religious, but he went to Young Life in high school and converted in high school and ended up going to Bible college, which is where he met my sister, which is how I know him, which is funny because we were raised so different. And now we're, yeah, it's a little bit, but it's all because of Young Life. It's like, they get you because it's fun. They know how to like, like, they know how to market to children. Like it is, it's, it's pretty wild to me. And they create this little mini like fandom, you know, like it is very much like you have to be all in on it. And it's sort of like, you know, where I think with sports too, the ups and the downs, you got to stick with it. Like even when it's not, you know, when it's not good and when things aren't going your way and there's something about that that really appeals to people. So yeah, that commute, that community aspect, I think we're all sort of looking for. And something that we talk about in the podcast, especially since both my co-hosts have or not, they don't attend church at all. And like they said, one of the things that they like miss the most is the the community aspect and the like, I think too, if you haven't experienced it before, like like worshiping alongside people, especially singing, because music is so, at least for me, it's very emotional and I love music. And so having this, when you're all coming together and you're all singing the same thing and it feels very like Christianity is really good at tapping into those emotions. And I think that sports is a little different in that way, but like in that moment, when you have this, like you know, saying with like my husband, like telling him I want to have his baby, like that's, you know, I'm experiencing euphoria in this moment of this buzzer beater. You know, there are times in my life where I can remember certain like, you know, I can, I can tell you where I was, you know, when Damian Lillard hit the, the winning shot against the rock. I can remember that because I was super pregnant and I was in a bar watching the game and everyone around, I got so much beer spilt on me when, when that, that epic win happened. And it was just like, Oh, I'm the only sober person in this bar, but I was still having a blast. I was high in life. I was high in the blazers. It didn't matter. So <laughs> those moments, there are those where it feels like, I'm like, is this worship? Is that like, are we, it's just a different form, right? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I, yeah, I see it. I totally see it. Totally. I was, I was thinking about it in terms of simply like having a place where everybody went to together on a specific day of the week. But when you talk about like the euphoria, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, there is nothing like being together, standing in the crowd when you're coming back from 20 down and you've all experienced that feeling together. like hugging strangers, right? You're, I just remember I was just like, I'm not even a hugger, but I'm like, I'm hugging every stranger in this bar because this was too incredible, you know? Yeah, which is, again, I have like, yeah, I, I'm not trying to make it sound like we're all like in a, the, a cult of the Blazers. I promise we're not. We we can leave at any time if we want. <laughs> or take a break. But we won't. Take a break and you're, and you're you know, nobody's yeah, going to come and be like, where have you been? We miss you. Oh, That's I have true. so many. Yeah, I want to hear your thoughts. What's 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 ruminating in this brain? Um, one of the things I'm thinking about that I started doing many years ago, like probably when I first got on Twitter and I first like started to like put my thoughts about the team out there, is before a game, I'd say, Dear God, and then like do like a little prayer. No idea how to pray. I like never having, but like I was I felt compelled to be like. I need to ask somebody for the success for the team. Like I don't, and I don't know who else to ask because obviously (laughs) they're trying their best. So if they could just get like a little boost from somewhere else, but then I always felt like, oh man, like, is this just like, 
like inappropriate way to like <laughs> be a fan. It's like, is this making fun of religion? But like, I felt it. Like I like really meant it. Like dear somebody up there, dear universe, like, please, like, we always talk about how, you know, so much of it is like luck. It's preparation meets luck. And that's how your team, you know, succeeds or doesn't. So like, why not ask for a little bit of help from the universe? Why <laughs> so not? like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, should I still, should I do that? Is that okay for me to do that? <laughs> is it like belittling people who are actually praying? No, I don't think so at all. I think that like, I've just realized that I think with like religion, prayer, whatever, like if you feel it in your soul, that that's a thing you need to do in that moment, then that's that I think that's the right thing for you. Right. Like if you feel like there's a God of basketball up there, you need to pray to before the game. Like I say, I don't, I'm at the place in my life where I've just like, I have just realized, I don't think there's any one way to do it. And that's how I was raised is that like, it has to be this, the, the straight and the narrow. And I'm still unlearning a lot of things that I learned, but I'm trying to be really open. And I think that like, I don't know, everyone's spiritual journey is different. And I think just like lean into those things. Like if it's it, if it's in there and you're feeling it, like that's valid. Well, and the other thing that I always think about it is like, is this like, a terrible waste of praying when there's so many other things that are going on in the world that I really should be focused on wanting (laughs) solved. Like there are so many problems out there (laughs) in the world. So you can see a lot of things going in my head. Um, (laughs) There's just like a lot going on out there. And like, for me saying, you know, can, you know, dear God, can you let somebody besides Damian Lillard lead in scoring tonight? That just feels like a little bit wasteful (laughs) when we have massive problems in the community that need solving. But another thing that I would love to see more of in sports fandom, and I see it here and there, and I would love it if it just became like a built-in part of it, is like the type of good that a community that comes together to help out can do, you know, Mm -hmm. if done right. Like you were talking about some of the things that, that your church does. And back before the pandemic, I had a group of friends who were part of like this women and, you know, women trailblazer fan group. And like, we'd go to the food bank and do shifts, Mm -hmm. you know, packing food there, or we went to the book, you know, thing. And like, so part of being part of our group was like giving back and figuring out ways that we could give back. And like, we came together ostensibly because we love the blazers. And so then we can go and try to like spread a little good in the community so that it's not just about like whether or not our team wins or loses. I feel like good works is like a really important part of a lot of people's like relationship with their faith too, right? Like the coming Mm -hmm. together and doing, doing good things for community is like a huge part of like demonstrating your faith. Right. Um, I mean, that's how my mom thinks about it at least that's totally and so much of my like my, my relationship with religion is framed through like what I know my mom has experienced and how she sees her re- relationship with with spirituality now um but like I think isn't it Catholicism Catholicism is like you ha- it has to be like your faith has to be paired with good works otherwise there, there's like no gesture yeah evangelicalism it gets a little like trickier because there's this weird like you're like inherently sinful and you're bad. So nothing you do can like earn God's love, but then also you're supposed to do a lot of things and be a certain way and be a really good Christian girl or whatever. And just certainly not have sex and all, you know, all these things that you can't do. So it was like this, I feel like there's a lot of mixed messaging around that. 
in my particular upbringing, but for the most part, yeah. I mean, I think that like, if you are part of a like community of like-minded people and that is like filling your cup and feeding into you, like the goal would be that then you as a community go out and like help others or do good things like that would be. And so I love that using whether it be sports fandom or again, I think that it's why people get into politics because they feel like they can, they can change things. They can change the laws they can. And same thing with religion. And that's where I feel like the only like religion that I want anything to do with at this point is people who like are putting that faith into action and who are helping like uh, our world does have a lot of problems. There's like a ton going on. And so I think that like, sure, we're not going to be able to solve everything but like working together with like like-minded people to help at least address like one problem in our city feels yeah it it feels like the right thing to do and it feels like it, it certainly has given me like a sense of purpose and belonging and i think that's you know all you all you can ask for and hope for in this life is like that's that's something to work towards i love that I Sorry so if much. I get, I feel like I'm a little preachy sometimes. Sorry if I'm, I'm like preaching a sermon over here on Sunday. We, I'm taking you guys to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> but I I love that so much because like what fills you up is what fills you up. And there's like, there's just nothing, I don't know, there's nothing to compromise there. Right. Like, yeah. I, and that's just like being really authentic. And um, one of the things, one of my, one of my close friends who um, is, is much more religious. Um, and is still quite religious has always told me she's like there's she's like there's lots of ways to pray there's no wrong ways to pray and anyone can do it mm-hmm. and so tara so you were asking about like is this appropriate is this okay <laughs> like if i'm listening to my friend sarah yeah that's fine there's lots of ways to pray and anyone can do it so go ahead and pray to the twitter gods for <laughs> good basketball <laughs> <laughs> That could be an icebreaker for the future. What's something that you would pray for for the Blazers? <laughs> what's a, what's a prayer request you have for the Blazers right now? That was very like church kid. Like everything was like, do you have a prayer request? Which was really just a way like that we could kind of like gossip about other people too. Cause you'd be like, well, you need to pray for Mary because she's, you know, whatever. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you, it was a way to share information. Not so much as if you want to talk about weird motivations for maybe the wrong way or maybe the wrong way to pray. That's, that's probably it when you're sharing other people's dirt. <laughs> Ooh, Okay. That's a good guideline. Yeah. I've always yeah, hoped, don't... I've always hoped that like out of like our, out of our fandom that like, we would like be like, so like, right. Like if you think about like religion or other, like, I don't know, big groups of people with like, like, like minded thinking or whatever, like it can either be really great positive experience with like building community and connections, or it can be like this like click or like mechanism for bullying. And I always really hope that like us as Blazer fans can avoid that other aspect of it, the bullying, the mechanism for like making people feel bad, le- less than I like, I don't like the like, mm-hmm. oh, the, the one true fan type of mentality. I think that that's silly. There's tons of ways to be fans, but we're small enough that I uh, sometimes I get a little nervous. You know, because we're a, we're not a huge city for a sports fandom, and every now and then I see something and I'm like, I don't like where this is going. It's fine to be a fan, however you want to be a fan. Like, don't yuck somebody else's yum, whatever. Like, anyway, I always am a little nervous that we're going to teeter onto that edge. And I think that there's lots of really great community that we build, but you know, I just always want to be like aware of that because I don't want to be somebody who's clickish or 
belittling somebody else's yeah. relationship with the team because that's not my relationship with the team and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Before we got on, Rose, you had talked about something that I hadn't, I also hadn't thought about before about just, um, cause we've been mostly talking about Christianity because that's the lens that, um, you know, that Lindsay brings, you know, to this conversation, but obviously there's many, 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 many religions. Um, and you had talked about how, like, um, I don't know if you want to jump in and say it better than I said, <laughs> but what you were saying about different fandoms and how, like trying to understand each other as like a beneficial thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so I, you know, every fandom has their own flavor. And if you think about us as like a religion, our fandom is a religion, then like understanding other religions, other fandoms of other teams, other sports is like, I think really good for like, I don't know, like, like pulling the positive aspect of your fandom out because you can appreciate the, like the, the similar, but different experiences of other fandoms. Like you were talking about the Kings earlier and we, Tara and I have talked about the Kings quite a bit on this podcast because they are a long suffering franchise, but understanding the suffering of another franchise, I think is really humbling and Mm -hmm. like really makes you, I don't know. It makes you feel close, close to them in a way that even though you're not a fan of the same thing, you can appreciate one another's struggles and one another's journeys better. And like, yeah. I think that Tara, like through that, she's like, like kind of a Kings fan now. <laughs> <laughs> you want to, you want to root for that. It's funny. I have friends who are Kings fans who will text me because they feel some sort of camaraderie with me being a Blazers fan that we, we have endured a lot of the same like heartbreaks and the small market team. Like I just, there's something about being fans of these teams where I'm like, yeah, any, like, I mean, do I love like watching the Lakers lose? But I don't feel like there's a lot for me to talk about. Like, it's funny because my priest's uh, husband is like a, a diehard Lakers fan. And uh, and I'm just like, why? why? Like you live in Portland, Oregon. What is your problem? I mean, he'll root for the Blazers when they're not playing the Lakers. But yeah, I'm like, all right, because of our like religion, because you're my friend, it's fine. I'll get over it. <laughs> so, and I think it's also cool to see what other people do as part of their like rituals you know and like and not and I think it's really important like we can't just steal it like how much would you love to steal light the beam I mean the kings have the new light the beam for people who might not know is now after a win they have this giant button that they push on the floor of the arena that lights a literal purple beam that shoots out the top of the arena it is amazing and they start shouting, light the beam, light the beam at the end of it. And so it's just like, it's so cool, but it's theirs. And like, it's like, nobody can steal it. Nobody should steal it because it's theirs. But I don't know. I don't know where I'm going I love with this. That. I do well, love the it's Kings. Like, <laughs> well, it's like how I'm, I'm, I still miss Chalupa. I still, yeah. that was like such a lovely, I really missed that. So I think I'll miss that for all of my days. I don't know why. It just like really stuck with me as a thing that we all did and loved to do. And I don't know, even like, you know, the players will boo. And I, I don't know. I just think that like, I love the Blazers fandom because I feel like we have such like weird, like little micro beefs, you know, like there's, yeah, I feel sure. like. I don't know. And I'm so curious. I I really do. I would like to experience more fandoms. Like I used to travel for work and I remember I used to go to Chicago every year and I was young and dumb. And so I was like, oh, I'll try to like go to a Bulls game. And then I was like, like the 
Bulls tickets at that time. And this is a while ago, but it was like approaching playoffs. The Bulls were good at this point. And like the concierge at my hotel literally laughed at me. He was like, you no, you can't like it's I was like, oh, OK. All right. Well, I didn't realize it was that hard to get Bulls tickets. So I'll just watch at a bar. <laughs> so I, I do need to experience more fandoms. I will say um, like going to a Timbers game in Portland was really interesting the first couple of times I went because at first I kind of wanted to yuck their yum and be like, this is weird. And it's like there's a lot of chance. There's like grown men singing a lot of stuff. like there's guys like leading songs. And I was like, this is a whole different vibe. But then I just sort of let go and was like these people are having so much fun. Like they're so bought into it. And so I love soccer. Like I'm a huge world cup fan, but I've never like followed the MLS that closely. And yeah, but like, again, watching like a bunch of people unite around this team. And I was like, yeah, there's something respectable about that. There's just something lovely about like, it, it might not be my thing. And that's, you know, I'm not going to go down there and lead a chant. And I, I think that like the first couple times you go, you're like, I don't know any of these songs. I feel like such an outsider, you know, like it is that kind of worship thing again, right? Like they are all like, like the first time I we went to a Timbers game, I sat in the Timbers army and I was like, holy Moses, like what is happening? <laughs> so, but it's great. I love it. That's how I felt going to my friend's churches when I was a little kid. And I'm like, I don't know anything that's going on here. Why are they asking me questions in this room? They're all trying to like get me to say stuff. I don't want to say stuff here. I want to sit in the back. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you're not you're not part of the community. And so you're you're an outsider. But you just kind of have to appreciate like other fandoms, other communities, other religions for what they are. And just like, no, it's not yours, but that's OK. Like there's plenty of space for everybody to do the thing that makes them happy. And there's probably some like similar like guideposts, you know, for, for everyone, you know, like you get to know who their players are. You get to know who's the most important player. Um, you learn like there's like certain things that you can learn about every team mm -hmm. to just get a little bit better of understanding that like that there's going to be something to know about every team. Go ahead. <laughs> No, I was going to say like, so, you know, you're talking about how like, oh, you'd love to steal light the beam, but you know, it's not yours and, but you're really happy for them. Like there's stuff that we have also that other people would love to have. Like people would love to have Dame time. Like, oh my God, people would love to like, and also like, I, I have always kind of felt this about other fandoms who like to like dump on Dame staying in Portland is like every single one of those fans that want to like kind of brag on him is somebody who is a fan of a team that they would love if they had a superstar that loved them that much. You know what I mean? Like somebody who they knew would never leave them. They were all dying to have somebody like that at their own franchises. But it's really, it's really easy to do the, to do the like kind of like sour grapes thing and not feel a kinship with that. Be like, oh, I wish I had that. It's more like, F you, that guy's lame. Like, it's just not, it, I don't know. Like I, I want to very much protect myself against being that kind of a fan, but I can see how like the temptation is always there. Right. There's always there to pit fandom against fandom when really we have like so many more common experiences than we have different experiences. They're just, they're just the de the details are different, but the feelings are the same. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now I'm thinking a lot about my family, like my family religion upbringing. I didn't even mention this. My dad's Jewish. Oh, and like, maybe he's like a better guide for my fandom because my dad is always kind of like, he's like, he's like, he's like reform. He doesn't go to temple or anything like that, but he's always, you know, he, he knows how to like, when we go to like Jewish events, like he knows what we're supposed to do and how we fit in and whatever. But my dad is always like, Jews aren't recruiting. 
He's like, Judaism is not recruiting. You're Jewish. You're not. And if people say they want to be Jewish, he's like, instead of trying to be like, yeah, come in. They're like, are you sure you need to take a class before you can do this? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, maybe that's like, maybe that's like a better way to think about my own fandom is like, I'm not trying to recruit people into my fandom. If you want to be part of this, then great. Mm -hmm. But like, it's not my job to like bring as many people in as possible and then indoctrinate them into like one way of thinking. Yeah. I've never had a a Jewish person knock on my door and try to convert me. So (laughs) or hand me a track or whatever. Yeah. That's so true. I never thought about it that way. They're not out there trying to convert people. Good on them. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think it also like the benefit of being like a religion and also like an ethnic group. Like mm-hmm. you're not recruiting people into your ethnic group. I mean, Ooh. unless you guys want to be Korean, I could recruit you into being a Korean American. There was a lot to talk about there. That was cool. But we should probably move on. Yeah. How do, how what's a what's a what's a classic way that a pastor will move you on to a different topic when it's time to talk about something else? Oh gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's either like, you know, like you heard from the Lord and the Lord is leading you down a different path or usually like some weird anecdote or like a story that you know always brings it back to the, the Lord. There's usually some story like where is this going? Like why are you t- I was out at this diner the other day and I was eating my pancakes and as I poured the syrup on my pancakes I thought about the blood of the Lord that was shed for us. I'm I'm not kidding you guys. This is how it goes and that's how you transition. So I that was really helpful, right? We're we're on to the next <laughs> segment. Well, Speaking of praying, how's everybody <laughs> feeling about the looming trade deadline? <laughs> we hate it. I, I, we, I mean me. No, I am. I am. Uh, I am wondering about pivoting to that because it is right around the corner. And, um, you know, what if I guess if we're going to keep in the theme of praying, what I just pray for is that everybody ends up somewhere where they can be happy. I'm not like. I'm not in the trade machine. I'm paying attention to conversations and I'm paying attention to names that I hear over and over again, mostly in preparation for like, okay, that might be somebody we need to get to know. Like Jared Vanderbilt, who I went and I read his Wikipedia article and I found that he has a classic Tara approved Wikipedia article, which sounds like it's partly written by his mom. So I was like, okay, I like to hear Vanderbilt in these talks because he will be a fun addition. Um, but anyway, for me, like the trade deadline is like, I have zero impact on what's going to happen, obviously. So all of the trade machine diving is, doesn't make any difference. Um, I mostly just wait to find out what happens, but I feel like this year, like we're still getting to know the new front office. And one of you guys said earlier about how typically we have no idea what the Blazers are doing until like suddenly it's done. And I feel like we, it's possible that we may have a different type of front office now, like, which is why I'm like paying attention to names that I'm hearing because maybe they're going to be more accurate than they've been in the past. Cause Lord knows you never had any idea where Neil Olshay was coming from. Like, like, where did you get these? How did you find these people? But he, I don't know. But the one thing about Olshay though, is that he did have clear relationships with like the big sports reporters. And so he knew what he want, what messages he wanted to send through them. Even if it wasn't actually what was going to happen. He knew when he like, like he knew 
like what messages he wanted the fandom and the league to hear about what direction we were going because Woj would tweet them, you know? Mm -hmm. And this, it's clear with this front office now is that they don't have those relationships. Like maybe a little bit with Chris Haynes, but like it's not, the trickle is not the same as it once was when we were hearing about, remember like it was like there was a Chandler Parsons summer and that was all really dramatic and we all like knew that it was like, like, I don't know, like, a bunch of drama went down um, in our failed acquisition of Chandler Parsons, but Neil Olshay wanted us to know it was really close and we thought it was happening and then it didn't happen. But like this front office just doesn't say anything. It doesn't feel like they're like leaking hardly anything about interests or what, what who's in pursuit or whatever. Like, so it's like, not even like we're hearing what they want us to hear. We're just hearing nothing. Or just like, people who are coming up with theories on Twitter, which feels there's so many, I just don't even bother with going down like the rabbit holes. Cause it all just feels like somebody just made this up and the chances of it. So the way that I, this is my f- favorite little saying is I'll burn that bridge when I get there is sort of like <laughs> how I go about, like, I'm just like, I don't know. I have learned that I can there is no consistency with what we're going to do with any given trade deadline. And if I spend all this time worrying about the what ifs, then I'm just going to give myself an aneurysm. And so I'm just like, well, I'm just going to, no matter what happens on the trade deadline, I'm still going to be a fan of the Blazers. Right. And I don't believe and I know Dame's not going anywhere. And that's like the most important thing to me at this point. So it feels like the rest is just like, well, I'll just get to know the new guys if that's what we do. So this is a total aside, but did you guys hear, uh, like, when Chandler Parsons went on a podcast, like, last month, and he talked about that Blazer acquisition? No. Oh, yeah. He basically said that the reason why he was going to come to Portland, but then he knew that he was going to go through a rigorous um, medical exam that he might fail, and if he fails a medical exam, he's not going to get paid by anybody. Um, because the Blazers were really gun-shy after what happened with Brandon Roy and what happened with Greg mm-hmm. Oden with their, like, long-term chronic health conditions and you know uh, Chandler Parsons was coming back from like I don't remember what injury but he was coming back from like a major injury and his agent was like you're gonna take this deal here in Memphis Chandler because if you don't and you and you go to Portland and you fail that exam no one's going to be paying you 80 million dollars to go anywhere and so he went back into that he said he went back into that room and he acted like he was the most excited he'd ever been to go play for Memphis because he knew that was the paycheck the guaranteed money. Anyway, it was just an aside. Dang. I was just thinking I mean, about that as I mentioned. <laughs> yeah, that That's... was a great re- interview. I can't believe you said that, though, into a microphone. I mean, his agent was... That's a good agent. Looking out <laughs> for, you know, like, make sure he gets paid. So... Yeah. And he knew what was what, because it was true. Like, Portland, we had had multiple guys that we invested heavily in that didn't work out for, like, health reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that was... So that's when they pivoted to Evan Turner, I believe. Oh, is that why we got ET? Yes. And those guys don't seem like comparable at all. (laughs) And I just, as an aside, have a Chandler Parsons Memphis Grizzlies yoga mat. Thanks to that. Wait, why? I I went to um, uh, Memphis a few years ago to go to a game 
super fun, super highly recommend it. And uh, while I was there, Fast Break Breakfast, which is a podcast, um, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. It's an NBA podcast, but they're Memphis Grizzlies fans in Nashville. They had a meetup. And so I went to their meetup and I won a Chandler Parsons yoga mat. And I was like, I, you cannot pry this out of my hands. <laughs> so every time they play, play the Grizzlies, I go stand on Chandler Parsons. <laughs> that's hilarious i love that so much he is kind of a weird like what if blazer like you know what i mean like there's a lot of like we have a lot of yeah. entanglements with chandler parsons for a guy who's never been on our team <laughs> side note did anybody notice that christoph's Porzingis like grew up and now looks like chandler parsons I don't know. That was, yeah, <laughs> oh. I was like, how did that happen? It was, but I was like, well, I mean, he was very young when he came to the league and what is it like six or seven years in probably he did no. fill out a little bit. Yeah. But I was just like was looking at his skinny. face and I was like, he looks like Chandler Parsons to me. I don't know. I have weird facial recognition. <laughs> it's, it's weird to me that he's like, I remember like, I don't know, not that long ago. They were like, look at this unicorn. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, Christoph's Porzingis, where do you play again? Yeah, he had an interesting, interesting journey. Um, any last, any, any lingering thoughts about trade deadline? I think it's the ninth. So the next time we record, we will know what happened. And I don't know. My biggest thing is just like, what's going to happen to Yusuf Nurkic? Yeah, I can't think about it because I'm too emotionally invested in Nurk's mental health and well-being. Mm -hmm. And like, one of the things that I feel actually like really a lot of sadness about is like international players getting traded around in this country. That's like, I don't know. Like it feels really bad to me when international players are just like that don't have say, don't have a lot of say in where they go. And I know that that's true for every player, but like, you know, building community sometimes is just a little bit harder. Being connected with the ethnic community that you're from is just a little bit harder. And like, I don't know, like I, I just, I have a lot of like, like sadness for those guys because you know they have to be really intentional about building that community if they want it and then to just have to be ripped from that community without like really a lot of say in it and then having to do it again it feels like i don't know it just feels very i mean very hard i guess the good news for nurk is that like every single stop there's bosnian fans that's true hmm. Like they're always sharing pictures of Nurk with Bosnian fans. So maybe that will be, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Separating from Nurk feels a lot like separating from CJ to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's been, he's been with us since forever. And people, I think people kind of forget like Nurk, we, we acquired him at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like we got him, but he was in an unhappy place when we mm -hmm. got him. Remember he was like behind Jokic in Denver and he wasn't really playing that well. And I remember like Denver fans talking about how like they felt like he didn't care um, because he was, you know, backing up Jokic. And I don't know, like for him to leave now after he has had such a positive experience here and he has such good relationships, I mean, it would make me feel really sad. And I know like here's the thing is Nurk is playing pretty well. <laughs> like a lot of people like to dump on him, but like he's playing pretty well considering he's like our only guy who's like. I, there's him and Drew and like everyone else is six, eight or smaller. Like he has a lot to shoulder and he's playing really well. Like, I don't know. I think he gets a lot of unfair hate, but that's just me. I agree with that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Yeah, people are people are harsh about him. It's funny I have him on my fantasy basketball team, and I it's all like Portland Blazer fans that we have. So I literally never had Dame on my fantasy team because he just I never get the right you know pick in the draft. But they all kind of gave me crap for picking Nurk, and I was like, I I want to have at least one Blazer, and he play. I know he can be a little inconsistent, but he plays a lot of minutes, and he's great. Like I love him. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know how I feel, how I'm going to feel. I mean, it's the same with like, I heard, I saw the writing on the wall with CJ and I knew it was coming. I didn't want it to come, but it was just like, you know, you just you prepare yourself. You, you'll, you burn that bridge when you get there. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's what, well, it's when the summer before CJ got traded, um, I did an event with him because uh, in the before times I did, used to do a lot more event planning and that there was some fear going into it. I was like, he might not be a trailblazer by the time we do. And the event is more focused on his wine, but I was like, I know the city of Portland wants to come. Like it would just, it felt a little risky booking him for this event, knowing that like, oh, he might have to move somewhere else. And is he going to have to fly back for this? Oh, is my, sorry. Did, did I cut out? Sorry, my internet's being a little funky. Apologies. No, it's fine. Um, someday you'll have to tell us more about that story of <laughs> doing an event with CJ because that sounds fascinating. It was really, well, he was a delight to work with. Yeah, he was a like, and I, you know, I'm like bossing him around, like telling him where to go and that, and it just like one of those things where I was like, I'm going to like tell CJ McCall what to do. Like, I was like, don't be a fangirl. Don't be a fangirl. But he was, he was lovely. So I have nothing, but I'm like, I just, I want only the best for him always. Like he's, he's a good human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like just about anybody who passes through the blazers for me, there's some people who I am a little less concerned with, but most of them, I, yeah, I'm just, I want good things to happen to him. I hope that whatever happens the trade for, if if we're going to trade guys that the trade scenario is more like what happened with CJ, where it was done in a very positive, supportive way than it was than some other guys that we've traded. Um, Because I, I, like I told Tara on a, on an episode several months ago that like, or several weeks ago that like, I liked that. Um, I liked that we traded him in a way where that was very open with him and that he got say in where he wanted to be. And we didn't just dump him someplace where he wasn't going to play meaningful basketball for several years. And so whoever gets traded, if anyone gets traded, I hope that's, it's more in that vein than the vein of just dumping somebody somewhere and getting them passed around on by around the trade deadline and then released because that's Mm -hmm. the worst. Or finding out on Twitter that you got traded. I horrible. believe that has happened. Okay. I want to, I want to transition us. I want to transition us to talking about social media player of the week because we got some good ones this week. Um, our first nominee that Tara and I have picked out is from Trendon, who two days ago tweeted big win. What OTT what's OTTN On to the next, On to the next. <laughs> Um, and this was right after he had that really great game against, um, was it Minnesota? No. <laughs> I guess we better look at the. Uh... I'm so bad. Trendon had a big game. I don't remember who against. <laughs> uh, I, I, one of the reasons that I like this tweet from Trendon uh, to advocate for him is that just like we like lo- watching young guys play, we like it when young guys get on social media and say something. <laughs> So it's mostly a like, good job, Trendon, for getting out there and tweeting something. 
Also, like, good job for him, like, getting back into the lineup and, like, yes. being, like, impactful right away. He stayed ready, even though he'd, like, like he'd kind of fallen out of favor. Like, his minutes had gone away and he wasn't playing every game like he was earlier in the season. And all of a sudden, it's trending time. You know, we need his size and we need his, as Tara says, his calm. Well, and I've always said that, like, when he is playing defense he's just such a good communicator on defense and it was just so cool to see how much he could do and i yeah just super happy to see him having that success in the lineups okay so that's our first nominee the second nominee we have is josh hart who is like a perennial candidate every week because he's just crushing social media every day um and we have chosen a tweet that he tweeted out on february 3rd which was two days ago and it says, A, you can't script the NBA with a bunch of crying, laughing faces. Because this is, okay, so I feel like it. whatever he's tweeting here is about what's happening in that exact moment. Tara and I don't always agree about that. <laughs> but um, I think this has to be about the uh, Austin Rivers Mobamba fight. It feels like a live tweet. It feels like he's reacting in the moment to something. Yeah, because otherwise it's like very... It's very vague if it's about something that happened two days ago. Or maybe the lead up that like there's been a lot of drama in the NBA, but then he's also just seen that fight. And it it could be inclusive of other things as it's been a, I mean, it's been a wild week, right? (laughs) That's true. Also, like, isn't this, it was earlier this week that we had the dramatic LeBron breakdown of the no call, right? I mean, that was my pushback when you were like, uh, that it was about one of the fights, which I'm sure it probably was, but like there has been so much drama <laughs> lately. There was, yeah, the the dramatic push, uh, the meltdown by LeBron at the end of the game when he didn't get the foul call. And then two, like those were like actual fights that were, that just happened. And we do not condone fighting on this podcast. No, but man, those are fun to watch. <laughs> Where both parties are interested in fighting. Like sometimes you just need to spice things up a little bit. I have to say, sometimes you like see a guy, like some guy wants to fight and the other guy wants nothing to do with it. And I'm like, this shouldn't happen. No, 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 no. Somebody needs to step in here. But some guys look with like the two fights that we saw this week, both guys wanted to fight. Yeah. So Donovan Mitchell, who did Donovan Mitchell fight? Dylan Brooks. Oh, that's right. Dylan Brooks. (laughs) And then we had Austin Rivers and Mo Bamba. Yeah, man. Those are good. And they both all looked like they wanted to just destroy each other and it took a lot of people to sort all of that out and there were like some bigger suspensions than than we've seen for a while we saw we had guys leave the bench and i was like these guys can't celebrate on the bench but not every single guy who's going to leave the bench is going to get suspended what are we talking about here guys (laughs) yeah Lindsay, we have um some questions about the new rules this year about people leaving the bench and whether or not that was the right way for the nba to go so we sometimes wonder about that too. But yeah, that was a great 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 tweet by Josh Hart as usual. As usual. And the last nominee we have is Justice Winslow who posted um a it looks like an Instagram story of him riding an exercise bike, which we haven't had mm. Justice Winslow in the lineup for a long time. He's looked like he looks like for a long time he wasn't doing anything. So it's nice to see him like back on a bike and um, maybe getting prepared for a return question mark. And, you know, it didn't have any comments on it. It was just a picture of him on the bike. So it was kind of like, what's going on? Is this like an imminent return? Is it looks like 
he's got a bunch of um in in this picture it looks like maybe he's like hooked up to some measurements too so like are they monitoring him to see like is he getting close i don't know so he did get his hair braided again that's why it's good social media though because it's like leaves you with question like it makes you want to engage like what's happening is he better is he you know yeah the social media manager in me is like (laughs) Good job. That was good. Well, that's why we would love to have you weigh in on which one you would think um, you would give social media player of the week to. That's, I mean, like you said, Josh Hart is always good at social media ever. His Twitter makes me cackle on the reg, but I think his justice like made me feel a little warmth in my heart. It made me be like, I hope, I hope you're close. Like, and they left a little mystery and you didn't mm-hmm. spell it out. And I think that that's good. Like, leave your people wanting more. So that would be my vote. I, I think like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think congratulations to Justice Winslow mm-hmm. for the very um, coveted what social media player of the week award. Congratulations, Justice. Um, <laughs> I also like that he braided his hair again because that also makes me feel like he's closer because before he was rocking just like the wild, like big hair. And it wasn't braided on like when he was like sitting on the bench. And now that he's braided, it looks like he's like ready for business should business arrive. (laughs) Like that. Yeah. We have faith. We believe in you, Justice. We do. By the way, uh, Trendon's 21 point game was against Washington. Okay. (laughs) So we all misremembered it. (laughs) Way off. But good for him. Good. There's been a lot of games. Or Trendon Watford. He, um, He's so fun to watch. And I know I'll say this about every player, but I hope he's still here after the trade deadline. <laughs> I hope everyone's yeah. still here. And also we got a, a bunch of new players somehow, even though we gave up nobody. Is that a thing? <laughs> That'd be great. Okay. It's getting time for us to wrap up, but I need to ask everybody to get in their brains and say, what's your take this week? Tara, what's your take this week? Okay, this is. I'm glad I'm going first because this one is kind of a sad one. But I, my take, and this is just pure conjecture, is that Yusuf Nurkic's time with the Blazers is over, like we talked about briefly. I think that he and the coach tried to make it work, and that what the way uh, Yusuf plays just isn't fitting in with the style and the way that the new coach wants to go forward. So I think Nurkic had a really great. Um, he had a really great stretch, but lately maybe it's because of the injury. Um, but I think what we saw with his really great stretch was with him playing as best as he could, that was kind of like the ceiling for how they could do. And I think the coach just really wants to go in a, in a different direction. And so I hope it's a situation where they are, the, the, the team is working with him to understand that. And then it's like, it's not like you're bad or whatever. And this is, I know this is just Pollyanna of me. Um, but I want him to feel good about the time that he spent in Portland. And it's really hard when, you know, Twitter is so vocal and we saw him like, you know, recently get rid of his social media or whatever. He reinstated it, but, but still, anyway, I think that um, my take is that it's the, it's not that Nurkic is bad. It's that he's not the right fit for the direction that the team wants to go with their style of play right now. So that's my take. I know sad one, kind of a bummer. Sorry. That's okay. So you're allowed to have a sad take. This is your time to have your take, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, Lindsay, do you have a take this week? I, 
I meant to ask, does it need to be a basketball related take? No, no, no. no. Okay. It can be All peanut right. butter well, cup related or anything. Oh, right. You said peanut butter cup. That's right. That's right. I mean, it's a spice, it's a spicy take. I feel like I have eight, eight million takes. Um, I'm a I'm a spicy gal, but this one uh specifically with uh Tara in mind is that my spicy take is I actually think that Zach might be a good bachelor. <gasps> Lindsay, oh my goodness. <laughs> We need to talk about this. Okay. Wow. I just, he's kind of, because first of all, I don't watch The Bachelor for The Bachelors. It's about the women. It's about their friendships. It's about the drama. Like the dudes are freaking boring. They are, I mean, Ari, Clayton, like I don't care. Like they suck. But like (laughs) Zach actually responded to people with some empathy. He didn't just go like, oh, like when someone trauma dumps, he was like, he like struggled with it. And I was sort of like, huh, this guy, like he might not be the word. Cause I, we knew nothing about him going into the season. And I, so I expected very little and maybe it's when you set your expectations really low that you can, my expectations were extremely low. And I've been like, huh, he's like, suppress- maybe good is too high a praise for him, but I, he's not a bad bachelor. How about that? From your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> As someone who is bachelor agnostic, I find this all very intriguing that there is such high level thinking about who the bachelor is and what makes a good bachelor. This is this the tip of the iceberg of how much There's we can talk lot. about the bachelor. That's a lot. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot. We'll oh suck God. you in someday. Speaking okay. of fandoms. <laughs> well, I look forward to being sucked into the bachelor lifestyle because I feel like I miss out on a lot of like conversations that I know nothing about. And I'm just like, yeah. The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or I don't even know some of the other I don't even know the other ones that are. Do they still have American Idol? I don't even <laughs> I'll I'll just say my take really quick. Oh, I'm so distracted by that comment though, Tara. <laughs> For everyone who's listening, Tara just told the group that Kyrie just got traded to Dallas. And, and we're all we're trying to hold podcast. it together. And I'm trying to like not have now a Kyrie take. We're no. like, we need to get on Twitter right now. <laughs> Okay, so my take is this. I think that Nas Little signing that long contract for very little money makes him highly likely to have to be traded this season. Mm. I think he has a very, very friendly contract for a player that we know is reliable and good. And that makes me super nervous for him because I would love for him to stay. But when I think about how like every time everyone's trying to work out a trade, people are trying to figure out like, good potential players for players that are ready now and yada, yada, yada. Like he's on a very friendly contract for somebody who has, you know, who's looked very promising to be long-term, like a good investment. And so I really hope it's not true because I want every player who's a blazer to be a blazer forever. I think there's a good chance that we don't see Nas after the trade deadline. That's my take. It's also kind of a sad take, but it's right before the trade deadline, I think is just kind of a time where we have to like think about, loss mm-hmm. or the potential for loss and, and like emotionally prepare ourselves for loss because you get to know these guys and you love them and you see them grow up and I always remember that like now that I'm like a parent I'm like these are people's children like they look like grown men and they play a gr- like a grown man sport and they you know they it's very athletic and insane and whatever but like at the end of the day I'm like this is somebody's child this is a kid and everything that people say on social media about them everything that people talk about the way they play like their moms and their dads see this and I think about that all the time and so I just want to say to Nas Little's mom who I'm sure listens to this podcast 
we love Nas in Portland and we would love for him to stay. But if he goes somewhere else, we will always cheer for him when he returns. Yeah. And he is high on the list of bench celebrator man of the year awards because of some of his uh, excellent performance this this week but it is time to wrap it up ladies thank you so much for this conversation i thought it was awesome Lindsay. thank you so much for coming and uh visiting with us and just kind of like helping work through some of these things that have clearly been going on through (laughs) in my head do you want to tell people how they can find the podcast and follow it and and you if you want to share yeah i mean holy ghosting you can find wherever you stream podcasts and we are on instagram and tiktok uh, you'll see me out there if if you uh, like to make if you grew up listening to Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith, you know what I'm talking about, then you, you will appreciate our TikTok. And then myself, I'm just Lindsay Stranigan on Instagram is mostly where I post. So and same thing, I, I link to to the podcast there. So I'm always happy. I'm an open book and I'm always happy to answer questions about anything. Like I really want people, if they're confused by something I say, or they're just like, what the heck? I'm, I'm always happy to dialogue with people. So reach out, say hi. Awesome. Thank you for coming to join us. This was really fun. And also I've, I've never really talked about the intersection of religion and sports before. I just think it's like a, it's a, it's an interesting thing to noodle on. So thanks for letting me like nerd out on those things with you. Happy to, uh, Tara, where can people find you? You can find me at TCB Biggs and you, Rose. I'm Rose L. Harding on both Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also in the uh, We Have a Take Discord, which you can find linked in our Twitter profile if I can figure out how to put enough space um, in it to get the whole link in because we already have too much stuff in there. But I'll figure it out. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you all for joining us. This has been really fun. Thank you, uh, Rip City, for listening to us and go Blazers!